Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Well, hey, welcome to Rosewood, and uh, again, and, and my name is Austin, and it's good to have all of you here, uh, especially, you know, if you're new, first time, or watching online for the first time, it's, it's great to have you a part of this church. Uh, we are in our third week dedicated to uh, the book of First Peter, and uh, as we come into the third week, we're also going to flip the page into the second chapter, and the sec- we're just going to go into it right off the bat here. So here's what, uh, here's what Peter says in First Peter 2, verse 1, therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, uh, uh, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. He's quoting Isaiah. And he says, Now to those who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There he's quoting the psalmist. And then he goes into to Isaiah again when he says, A stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of God who called you out of darkness into this, his wondrous light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war within your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. All right, so as we've been talking about, but again, good reminder if you haven't been around, or it's just a good reminder because this is where all of First Peter is pointed, that he starts off real strong and real direct with his audience, these churches in modern day Turkey of saying, look, suffering is coming, challenges are coming. Yes, you may be experiencing some of it now, but I can tell you firsthand that more is coming. And so he writes this letter ahead of the ripple of persecution that is making its way out towards these, uh, towards these, these churches. And Peter, you know, he goes for for these folks because these are people that he has visited. He helped start some of these churches in these regions. And so now he's writing to them to prepare them for what's to come so that they can hold strong in their faith. They can practice perseverance and they cannot be surprised when all of these things 
start to happen. Um, so he's kind of giving them a heads up, not that they can correct necessarily or change what's going to happen around them. A lot of times our circumstances are outside of our control, but they can, uh, they are in control of how they react to these circumstances. And so Peter is saying, have perseverance. Uh, it is coming. Be ready. And as he continues in this attempt to, to um, convince these churches, um, Chapter two, he begins with two different uh, allegories or, or um, yeah, allegories would be the right word to, to describe or metaphors to describe uh, who they are, uh, especially as, as people in a community. And the, and the two that he looks at, two that he talked about, and the two that we're going to look at today in this order is, is um, they have a home away from home and they are living stones. Okay, so those are the two that he's going to be talking about. Home away from home and living stones and how these two go together. Now, the first one, home away from home, you've all probably been at a home away from home at some point. You go to college, you get a dorm room or an apartment or whatever, you set it up, it's your home away from home, right? But you'll still say, even when you're at school and even when you have this place with its own mailbox and everything, you'll still talk about going home, right? You go home for the weekend because home is where, home's not where the heart is, home is where free lawn is. So you'll talk, you know, you go home, you're, you're home, but you're, but you're really away from home. You know, you, you go to the military, you get deployed, you make the best of it. You form a, a home away from home for the time that you're serving. Uh, you go camping. Camping is its own form of, of a home away from home, right? You bring, kind of bring your home with you. You bring the things that, that make you comfortable, but you, you, you take it someplace else and it's your home away from home. You go up north, you rent an Airbnb, so on, you know, right? You, you, you know what this is like to have a home away from home. My office is my home. I don't really have a home away from home other than my office. So my office is some, you know, some weeks it's like I'm here more waking hours than I am at my home. Uh, but so I make it comfortable. I've got food and, and drinks. Come on by, whatever. Um, I've got a, I've got a dog. I like that. My dog is, has his home away from, oh yeah. It's like I'm showing baby pictures. Yeah. He is kind of my baby. Uh, no, this is bandit. And he comes and hangs out. So you come midweek, you might be greeted by a dog because it's his home away from home too. I'm going to be there. I don't want to live here and I don't, but, and he doesn't want to live here either, but it is our home away from home. And in all of these examples, you create a home away from home. And what Peter is saying to these people is basically, this is what life is. Life is your home away from home. He says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, or in other translations, they call it sojourners, okay? I urge you as foreigners in exile, and exiles, that you are, you are here but this is not your home forever. You are just, you are passing through. You're passing through. And oh, how life changes when you start to see life as your home away from home, as just a happy camper in this thing called life. And, and you are just passing through because, um, to use a legal phrase, um, you are, we are um, resident aliens, that, which means that, that you, you live here but you are not a, a citizen of the country that you live in. You are just passing through. Now you're passing through with a purpose. And we're going to get to that. But you are just passing through. Paul joins with, with Peter in this sentiment when he writes to the Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Our home is heaven. 
Our home is heaven. He wants us to, to keep our hope there, to keep our heart there, to keep our focus there. You are a sojourner of heaven and you are just, you are passing, you are passing through where you are now. You can't stay here forever. At the end of the day, all of our pieces, they go, they go back in the box. You're not here forever. You don't take anything with you, but you're here for now. When you're born, you're born, wherever it is you're born, you're born as a citizen. Right, you're a citizen of, the, of that place where you are born. And so it is in Christ when you are born again. You become a citizen of the kingdom of God. You become a, a brother of Christ. It's, it's a brother or sister of, of Christ. It's, it's how it works. You, you're born in one place, but you renounce your citizenship and become a citizen of the kingdom of God because you have been born again. And this is why Jesus says that storing up treasures on earth is, is so foolish, right? This is what he's getting at. I mean, sure, you can, you can, you can, you'll make money in your life. And you'll have things in your life. And those things, absolutely, they'll make your life more comfortable or more convenient or luxurious or or what have you. You can go, you can build that giant house and you can brag about all the rooms that you don't use, right? You can can do all of that. But that is just, that's like the equivalent, according to, to Jesus when he talks about this, that's the equivalent kind of like intelligent decision making that um, we would have if like I went up north or you went up up north and stayed in a house for a week, like rented a house for a week, and then you got there and you're like, all right, let's renovate, let's paint, let's change out this furniture, let's do all that, right? Why, you never do that because it's not your house. So you're going to put all this money and time into something that's not yours because in a week, you're going to be gone. You're just passing through. It's foolish to do something like that in a house that you don't own. So it is to be, to be foolish to, to invest everything that you have, everything that you are into a place that you're just passing through. But um, Peter now, if he had stopped there, um, it's a very interesting message, okay? If Peter, if all he talked about was home away from home, what you end up with is a message of escapism. And sometimes we get into this. We, we focus so much on heaven and so much on this is my home away from home. I'm just passing through, right? And if you spend enough time there, you start to, you start to look at the world around you as pointless. It, it, life becomes, in an escapist mentality, Life becomes, you get born, or you are born, whatever, receive birth, I don't know, you're born, and then you make a faith commitment, and then you just, like, ride out the clock. You just wait until you can finally, till you can finally go home. That's an escapist mentality or an escapist theology that, that puts all, it, you, you, you're living in heaven already, Right? We, put, we keep our mind towards heaven. We have a perspective of our life from heaven, from this eternal. But your feet are still on the ground here. You're still alive. You're not dead, which means you're not done. Which means you still have a purpose. That God, there's still a purpose that God has for you. So your feet are on the earth, but your heart and your focus is towards heaven. And your perspective on the, th- on the challenges that you'll have, they are, from, from, they are a perspective from heaven and eternity. But your feet are on the earth now. Life becomes, again, making, just making a faith commitment and dying so you can go home. That's an escapist mentality. And it's, it's so easy for that to happen. It's so easy to create a version of that. In fact, in fact, Paul, was de- the apostle Paul was dealing with this in one of his churches. Second uh, Thessalonians, he says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. 
Now I've heard, I, I, I hear this quoted and I, like, I don't think I've ever heard this quoted correctly. Okay, this, this so often gets used to, to describe like, or, or to challenge someone's work ethic or it even gets used in, in politics to help boost up someone's, someone's perspective. And, and, and I get that. And, and if you just look at this, I can see how you'd get to that place. But here's the thing. If you read around it, if you open your Bible to more than just this verse, you'll see that what Paul is dealing with and what he's addressing is that there are, are faithful Christians who have made a faith commitment, who believe that Jesus died for them, who believe that Jesus rode for, rose for them, and, and that they rise in that resurrection life and that Jesus will come again. And because all of that's true, they just stopped. There were Christians who just, who just stopped. They quit their jobs. They rode out the clock. They quit their, they had no perspective of like ministry engagement because it was just like, well, Jesus is going to come again. So why? Why would I go to work on Monday if Jesus is going to come on, who knows, Tuesday? I don't know. Why would I do any of that? Why would I engage in ministry? He's addressing just this sense of meaninglessness that Christians began to put on their lives because if Jesus is going to come again, why do I need to do to do anything? And that's how we can treat our lives when we become overly fixated on heaven. We forgot that Jesus did more than just die so that you could go to heaven. He died for the world that he loved to bring a redemptive work upon this whole earth for you and your life, but also for the people around you. For the entire world, God has a redemptive plan. And, and when you make a faith commitment, you're not done. It just means now you're a part of that plan, okay? And so that's where, where Peter brings in this second allegory, which he borrows, like we said, from, from stitching together Isaiah and the Psalms. Um, and by doing so, he ensures his audience and, and helps to kind of balance his message to his audience that, yes, they will face suffering in unexpected circumstances, but they shouldn't, they shouldn't walk into these things believing that the world is meaningless and that they don't have any purpose and that they just have to, have to wait out the, the clock, but rather they have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel even when times are challenging. And he says that while you are home away from home, that you are also living stones being built into a spiritual house, as Peter says, in which Christ is the cornerstone. So while you're home away from home, you're being built into a spiritual house that will be here at your home away from home. And guess what? Guess what? We're doing it right now. You're all contractors right now. You are engaged in building the spiritual house. Now, you're not building anything with, with brick and mortar, right? But you are living stones engaged in communal activities such as worship. When you pray, when you meet with a small group, when you engage in scripture with, with a group or with your family, whenever you engage in these things together, you are stacking bricks, right? You are stacking stones because as you engage in those things, it builds up the spiritual house of which we are a part. And Rosewood is a place to experience the power of God because while we are far away from home and while we are, we are in this home away from home, we are a spiritual structure. And because of that, all of the things, all of the things that we do together that bring glory to Christ helps us to, to build ourselves as a spiritual home for a purpose. I, I don't know about you, but there are times when I, especially when like in worship, um, though not exclusively, but worship just is a place where this happens for me, but, and maybe it happens for you too in a different place or maybe in worship as well. Um, I start to get this like ache 
that I can't shake, um, where I'm homesick for a place I've never been. You ever have that? You're homesick for a place you've never been. You've got this, this pole from heaven, wanting to go there, wanting to be there, wanting to be there with Christ, and yet you've never been there. That's the beautiful thing about heaven. We're homesick for a place that we've never, ever been. We are living stones being built into our home, away from home. But Peter never says, Peter never says that you are a living stone. He always says that we are living stones. You've never seen a brick on the ground and been like, oh, that house is out of place. Somebody better put that house back. No, because it's just one brick. Now, a house is a collection of, of many bricks. This room is a collection of, of many bricks. You are, not a, you are not a living stone. We are living stones. It is when we are together. Peter is, Peter, Peter is making a move here where he's saying, remember though, we're talking about how you're going to handle this and, and preparing you. But also remember that one of the ways that you are prepared is because I have prepared, or rather God has prepared a community for you in which you are a part of it. You are living stones being built into a spiritual house to provide that necessary support then to those who are both inside and those who are outside, to those who are a part of the community and to those who are not yet a part of the community. And I want to end this message with just a, a couple perspectives to, to kind of challenge and encourage you as you go into your week. And, and the way I want to do this, I want to tell you a story, and it's a story you all know, and it's a story you're going to help me tell because I want you to stay awake, okay? You're going to, you're going to stick with me here. It's the story of the three little pigs, all right? So let's talk about the three little pigs for a moment, right? Three pigs, I don't know how, but they all end up in three different houses. And they, the, the wolf is hungry. He comes up to the straw house, right? Comes up to the straw house, pig hiding in there, and the wolf says, and say it with me, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And blows it down in the, well, in the story, the wolf eats the pig. Um, that's not the story I tell my kids. Uh, we're going to go with the story I tell, which is that the kid in the, in, or the, the kid, ooh, that gets weird. Um, the pig in the, in the straw house runs away, and it runs to the house made of wood. And so the wolf comes up to the house made of wood where there's two pigs hiding, and he says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he does. And those two pigs, they run to the third house. And then the wolf says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And he doesn't blow it down. Do you know why? Because it's made of living stones. No, it's not. It's made of stone here. But, but here's the thing. It was, it, he doesn't blow it, blow it down because the pig built the, sto- built the house to withstand pressure to withstand uncertain circumstances, right? Who knew wolves could blow so hard? (laughs) Only one of them built a house strong enough to be able to withstand the pressures, even unknown pressures, unknown at the time, pressures that were going to bear down upon him. And, And again, at least in the story that I tell my kids, it's not just the pig who built the house that helps it, that, that's kept safe, but it's the other pigs as well that ran and may, uh, helped make, uh, uh, make it a shelter for them as well. 
And we as living stones, we are built into a spiritual house known as Rosewood Church. And we provide safety and encouragement. Safety and encouragement to those inside and outside. Now let's think about inside. The, the church is in part a place to help care and love those who face some of, of life's worth, worst. Um, we're a family who share in the same cornerstone, um, who share in the same cornerstone together, the same, the, the share in our identity as Christ. Yeah, we're going to have a whole bunch of different ideas and, and ways of perhaps looking at the world and different, different topics and things. But as a whole, the thing that keeps us oriented the right way, because that's what the corner, cornerstone does, is to make sure that the whole house is oriented the right way. It's the first stone you lay down to make sure everything's facing the right way. He says, this is our cornerstone. We're all facing Christ. We're all different and unique individuals, and praise God for that. But we, we have this cornerstone, and that's what keeps all of us facing in the same direction. And so that's who we are internally. It's a place where internally we can reflect or we could produce the fruit of the Spirit. Even through our imperfections, it is through our collective character and disposition towards one another that we become reflective of the fruit of the Spirit internally. And externally, we're called to be open and hospitable by extending the same privileges of community to those who are outside of the community as we might extend to those who are inside. We are a spiritual house, yes, but the doors are locked. But there is a come on in sign on the front. Like the pigs running, um, running in, in because they, they built the house on, on uncertain ground or, or with uncertain materials. So it is with the church that, 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 we, that people will come to churches, to Rosewood Church and to other churches. They will be attracted to, to communities when they discover that what they built their life on didn't work. That that house got blown over. It wasn't built to withstand the pressures and the, and the uncircumstances that would come that way. So when someone new comes, here's the thing. We, we, we don't look at, at, at people as numbers, okay? So, so as, as, even as attendance grows and fewer seats are left open and more people watch online, we should never be focused so much on the numbers and the trends, but rather seeing that every number, every person is a person that is loved by Christ and has has their own journey that led them to this spiritual house. They have a purpose. They have a meaning. And we often, are gravi- we often gravitate towards communities when we lack that. And so as someone comes, that's why, that's why Jesus talks so much and, and, and Scripture talks so much about hospitality because hospitality is extending the same internal privileges to the external. Now you might start to say, well then, well, then who's, how do I know who's on the inside and who's on the outside? That's the point. We blur the line. Hospitality blurs the line between those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside. Because whether you're on the inside or the outside, it doesn't matter because we all need Christ. And Christ is so searching after all of us. And the church, this, this collection of living stones, is a place in which we can find and be found by God. And so this is Peter's whole point here is as they face these challenges, remember you don't face them alone. He's talked about already how the presence of God will go with them, He'll be with, that, that God will be with them, he'll never forsake them or leave them. He reminds them of their identity. We talked about that last week, remember your calling, okay? And now he says, remember though, you're not alone in that you have the church, in that you have other brothers and sisters. And that when this suffering and when these challenges come, 
There will be others who will realize that where they built their house couldn't withstand it, and they will come to you. And don't shut your doors. Don't say there's not room at the table. Welcome them in because you were welcomed in. And welcome them in to be a part of this family of God because so often when we, it's an, you, you don't realize you're defenseless until you're attacked. I think it's one way you could think about it. You don't realize you're defenseless until you're attacked. You don't realize that you're, you're not prepared for this until suddenly it's too late. And so one of the ways that we prepare is to be that family of God, those living stones. And so that's what Peter's trying to do. He's stacking bricks to remind us that we have a communal identity together. And that communal identity has a commitment internally and has a commitment externally. And we're going to go a little further with that next week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you meet us here in the church, God. That through these, these communal um, these communal disciplines like, like worship and, and prayer, fellowship and graciousness to one another, God, that, that you meet us here. But Jesus, you certainly don't just meet us here. There's, not a, there's no magic to, to this building. God, this is just a place for us to be the church gathered. But Jesus, we will spend far more time as the church scattered. But so through you, as the cornerstone we are oriented towards you. And Jesus, help us to stay oriented towards you. That as we go from here, that we would retain that calling and that identity that we so often feel and associate with the church. That we would have it everywhere that we go, God, so that we would be able to blur the lines between those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside. Because Jesus, inside or outside, we all need you. And we all find that out in our own ways. And so I pray, God, for, for everyone here as, as we find our way into that truth in our own ways, some, some through joy, some through sorrow. But God, meet us in those places. Draw us into a community in which we can grow, in which we can, can hold strong together. And God, thank you for this community. Thank you for the graciousness and care and kindness that is shared. Jesus, we are not perfect, but God, we are growing. God, help us to grow towards you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.